We're back. Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a bit of a casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who will take you a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Sheena the Brain Smith, who gives that more casual perspective. Sheena, you got a wrestling nickname, because Sporting won. Yay! Do you know who Bobby the Brain Heenan is? No, when I heard the brain, I instantly thought of Pinky and the Brain. I knew from that's where Animaniacs. Yeah, I knew yeah, that's where I loved ahead. Animaniacs as a kid. <laughs> All right. Well, on today's show, we're going to talk about that sporting Kansas City win. We're going to talk about a letter that preceded that win from the Cauldron. Uh, we got to talk about the KC current losing. We can't have all nice things in Kansas City soccer. And of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But Sheena, we only did one episode this last week. We didn't watch the game live. Maybe we were the problem, as I like to say. Uh, I don't know. I saw on Twitter a few other people couldn't watch it live. So maybe as a combination, we all just need to not watch the game live. I don't know. It's definitely not on us. What's interesting, and I don't know. So just as a heads up to everyone, by the time we got to the Sporting Kansas City game last night, I was pretty tired. We had been in the heat all morning, and then our kiddo had a soccer game. So I was pretty exhausted from the heat, and I was in and out of sleep. So I went back and watched the game. And the one thing I would say, Chad, that we missed last night before the game started, I don't know who was the other announcer with Nate Bucati. Tony Miola, famous Kansas City Wizards goalkeeper, amongst many other teams. Oh, okay, cool. Well, he was saying like probably several times in the pregame that this would be the type of game that sporting could pull a win out of. And so I was thinking maybe he needs to announce every single game since he was calling that sporting could win this game. Like this would be the type of upset that sporting could pull off. And as we all know, they did. Okay, I guess that's okay logic, except for him and Nate called the Colorado Rapids 0-0 draw earlier in the season, too. So not to put water on it. Could it just be that he's trying to sell the broadcast that you're about to watch? Don't turn it off, y'all. I know this is the best team versus the worst team, but anything can happen any given Sunday. I mean, yeah, but you know what? Both times they called, there wasn't a loss. So a draw and a win is a pretty good track record at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would take it. Road game, so... Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, let's get right into the game. So as you probably know, if you're listening to this podcast, Sporting Kansas City won 2-1 to against the Seattle Sounders. That's right, the worst team in the Western... Actually, the worst team in the entire league beat the best team in the Western Conference. So a bit of a point gap going into the game. They were 17 points apart in the standing, but now they're only 14 points apart because Sporting are racing at the standing. Oh, wait, they're still in dead last, but now they're in a dead last tie. Yeah, with LA Galaxy, I believe. Yes, a team that they drew against each other. So there you go. (laughs) All right. So the goals were scored by Eric Tommy, got on the board early, and then Alan Polito. So first goals for all the players. It's a mad race to see who's going to be the golden boot winner for Sporting KC. There's now five players with one goal each. Nobody has a second goal on the season, at least not in league play. Maybe in the Open Cup, we'll see some more goals midweek against Houston. But let's talk about those goals. So kind of, well, Sheena, let's just talk. What's What stood out to you in the game? What, is there something that jumped out at you, Something you, somewhere you want to start about on this topic? Yeah, so I want to start with Eric Tommy. So I felt like he played a different game yesterday. He was aggressive right away. And I get he's aggressive like most games with his running. But I think the difference between like this game and all the other games is they scored pretty quickly. Uh, He scored pretty quickly, I should say. And I think one of the things I noticed about the goal is that there was a lot of different players. I want to say maybe five different players on Sporting touched the ball before the goal. Maybe it was six, but they were passing the ball quickly. And they, I feel like the differences between that first goal by Eric Tommy and other attempts this season is we see one player trying to do it all or when they are trying to pass. The passes aren't connecting or they're just a little slow on the touch. So um, when they do connect, it's like too many touches. So these were all quick passes, which has always been their success in the past. 
So it was nice to see like a glimmer of the end of last season's team. Right? Yes. I Am I right agree. on that? I don't know. I, that was my assessment. I don't even know if that's accurate. I agree. Yeah, that's what I saw. Okay. I think what it was is that, yeah, they played quickly. They were decisive in their touches. They were going forward. They were getting in the box. Tommy's just there to clean up what I think is actually Gotti Kent is going to get an assist for that. But I think he just took a bad touch. The ball comes to him. It just kind of bounces off his foot. You can tell because he's chasing the ball before Tommy hits it. And then Kenda has to leap to get over it so that the ball can go underneath him and then squeak into the goal. So I loved the aggressiveness, as you say. Tommy, special shout to him because not only did he get that goal, he got the assist on the second goal. And he made team of, they're calling it team of the match day, which sounds weird to me instead of team of the week, I guess, because a week could have multiple match days in it. I don't know. But um, he made he made the first team. And my understanding is he's the first one to do that this season. Tim Milia had made the bench earlier this year for that nil-nil shutout against the Philadelphia Union. So that was really good. One thing I wanted to talk about with Tommy that really stood out to me was his defensive work rate. If you remember, I was crapping on him in the Montreal game. Because he was standing around. He wasn't running back. He His runner, uh, Bryce Duke, is who scored that first goal. And he just doesn't follow him. He just is kind of loafing on his way back. He was not loafing against Seattle yesterday. He was hustling. I imagine there was some film breakdown. I imagine there was some like meetings and aggressiveness. I mean, 10 games into the year with no wins. But hey, 11, they got a win. They officially don't have the worst start in MLS history, which they weren't going to even if they lost, which is crazy. But they'd have been on the verge of getting it had they not gotten a result. So getting that win really big really excited for the team and tommy and i saw in the post-game press conference i don't know if you heard about this sheena they're like singing and chanting in the background while both tommy was giving his presser and while vermise was giving his which felt fitting because if you'll remember when seattle came to kansas city and they won four to one earlier in the year they pound on their locker room wall and sing jingle bells when they went on the road so screw those guys Revenge, best served cold. Jingle bells is real random. But the going back to Eric Tommy and his defensive plane and his hustling, I'm wondering if maybe because for once we had the lead, he doesn't feel like he needs to to hustle as much or like do everything because they were up. Like maybe that's when part of the problem is we're typically playing from behind. And he feels like he needs to go in and and do everything and make all the plays happen. But this was actually a good chance for him to just play and not have to do it all and just be where the ball's at. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the hustling on defense played a big role. And it was just a, it felt like a collective effort from the team. So I mentioned in my little spiel there, Gotti Kenda gets the assist. Gotti Kenda got his first start after the game. Peter talked about how the plan was to make me play him 30 or 45 minutes, but no longer than 45 minutes because that god awful turf in Seattle. Uh, what did you think about Gotti Kenda's performance? I thought he played well also. I He was also creating chances. And then he was the one that jumped out of the way so Eric Tommy could score. So Yeah, and he got the assist on that because he had the touch yeah. right before it. Even if it was an accident, they count the same. There's a one player I really want to talk about. Can we talk about my player of the game? Sure. My player, I mean, I think... It, Almost everyone, I can't think of anyone I thought was playing poorly, but I really thought Remy played fantastic. Like it was clutch Remy. I feel like he's. Of course you did. No. Of course he did. Okay, did he I get know. a yellow card super early in the game? He did. And like, I don't know if you caught it, but like after he got it, he was lapping and he stuck his tongue out. Like I was pretty amused with him. But I mean, yeah, the yellow wasn't great, but he was hustling really hard as well there was um one point it was like around it was before Polito scored I think it was like in the 27th minute is what I wrote um he took the ball from out of the box I don't know if you remember that play where Seattle was had the ball and they were going towards Tamilia and then he just kind of cut whoever the player was and took the ball and ran off with it. And oh, okay. it was I just... think I remember this play. I have it wrote down as the 24th minute. Is it where oh, Danny yeah. Rosero has like kind of a bad giveaway and then Remy has to hustle back. And then what he ends up doing is he, he reads where the ball is going to go and he starts running towards the player. They're going to pass it to before they pass it to him. I can't remember who it was. They're making the pass to, and he just slides over there and intercepts it and kind of dribbles yeah. casually out of the box. Yeah. Actually had it as the 23rd minute, uh, the okay. 27th minute. It, he took the ball again 
But I thought he, you know, the last few games, like he always runs hard and stuff, but I feel like he's just kind of blended in with everyone else. He he hasn't stood out and he stood out to me yesterday. I mean, Eric Tommy stood out to me as well, but Remy was all over the field like we saw, you know, earlier in the season. I just feel like he's kind of got lost in the mix the past few games so it was nice to see like clutch remy back yeah i think the whole midfield worked really hard and you know with uh, Gotti being out there to start the game and then felipe hernandez coming on for him at the half that made a ton of sense to me because this game needed that energy and no offense to roger i think roger played the exact role he should be playing on this team he came in with 15 minutes to go he ran as hard as he could to put this game away if they're losing i don't mind if roger comes on late because he does have really good passing ability but he's better at just going out there, reading the game, positioning himself well, but not if he has to play for 90 minutes. And I was glad to see that Peter finally gave him a rest. Uh, apparently, Roger, I don't know if you heard that on the broadcast where uh, T- Tony Miola was talking about Roger joked with them in the lead up to that game that he's not supposed to be playing all these minutes. He's supposed yeah. to be you know, watching the young kids take his job. So no offense to Roger, but I'm hoping that's what we started to see happen, right? Because Hernandez got to come out there. Obviously, Kinda's back. And with Kinda coming back, fun statue. I don't know if you saw this also on the bright. We're just repeating what the all the hard work that the Fox <laughs> people did here. 603 days since the last time Sporting KC had all three designated players start a game. That's freaking crazy. September 2021. I did see that stat. Also, Roger Espinoza almost had a goal. Like their goalie really had to extend himself and have like a fantastic save. That's uh, right. Late, late in the game, the right? The when game. they were trying to yeah. put it away. Yeah, that's a good shout. So- also, wait, I had a question. Is this the first time we've seen Roger Espinoza and Felipe Hernandez on the field at the same time? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if it's like ever, but this year that feels well, right. Well, I mean, this season, yeah. Yeah, because if you think about it, usually you have one of your more creative players on the field. No offense to those two, but that's not really kind of what their game is. You're likely to have a Tommy or Kinda or somebody playing that role. And yeah, I think you're right that they played together to close out the game at the end. Yeah, that was one thing I I liked that. I, I also liked Roger playing in like that last 15. I thought Zussi played pretty good too. I mean, I know he was only in for 10 minutes, but it was nice to see him back. And I liked him not playing his typical position. Like I like that they kept kept Jake Davis on the field. Um, so now I'm kind of curious, like, is he going to be Zussi's replacement? And when Zussi comes on, is he going to just kind of go, I think he was playing in the midfield. I don't even really know. Like the broadcast was like, yeah, we don't really know what formation right, Sporting has like going. S- and I didn't defenders. either. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think they were in their traditional formation in the sense that they were kind of just playing like one striker and sinking everybody back deep to defend, to try to hold on to the game. But yeah, I think good shout there that Zussi kind of playing right wide mid. Effectively, when Sporting defend, their right winger, Russell, drops back and and defends as a wide midfielder. And that's kind of where Zussi was just permanently set up. Although at times, him and Davis were side by side in the back line, kind of playing right back and second right back. I don't know what was going on. (laughs) Right right center back. I don't know. It it was an interesting sub. You you like the Zussi sub. I said to you, I don't know if you remember this because you were fighting off sleep and then you watched the game back later. I was like, you just know that they're going to put Zussi on for the last 15 minutes and let him get his pre-planned rehab minutes to get back to fitness. And I'm just glad, as you said, that they didn't take Jake Davis off the field. Davis played, I thought, really well. He's not a right back by trade. He looked really good. If you'll remember in the first game against Seattle, Leo Chu, who is the left winger or played left wing in these two games, destroyed Graham Zussi and just kind of tore him apart and had all those assists to uh, Jordan Morris. And they were able to shut both of them down. He shut down Leo Chu. Then when Chu subbed out, Morris switched over to left wing and he gave him a little bit more trouble. Davis had a little bit of trouble with Morris at times, but he managed to you know, do enough to, to keep him from scoring. And again, he's playing out of position. So I don't know that he's going to be the right back of the future, but a lot of teams have talked about this before. A lot of teams play their young guys at the fullback spots because you can't pay huge money to players all over the field. There's a salary cap or a salary budget technically, and you got to have some young guys that can contribute. Davis feels like a good guy to do that, whether it's there or in the midfield. I still like him as a midfielder. He has a tireless motor. He just runs and runs and runs. At the end of the game, Zussi was fresh and Davis was pushing and running and covering the space that I thought Zussi was supposed to be covering, honestly. So 
Shout out to Jake Davis, who I believe still has yet to get a card. He was bragging to us in the locker room after a game. Hey, I still don't have any yellow cards in 2023, which is an achievement for him because he's actually probably the most Roger Espinosa-like player on that team. He's physical and he'll play hard. He'll go into challenges kind of rough sometimes, but he's managed to stay out of the book, which is cool. What is he typically a midfielder? Like, is that his natural position or what he like plays on SKC too? Yeah, so he would be basically like that Roger Espinosa type box to box midfielder playing end to end. Now this season, he's played a little bit of defensive midfielder where Remy's been playing lately or Ilya would play in the past. Uh, I, it's not his position by trade, but he's done okay at it pretty well, I would say, honestly. But SKC2 and MLS. Obviously, these are two different levels of play, the, the type of guys you're going against. It would probably be harder to pull off. And I think there's a reason Remy's playing there. Speaking of defensive midfielders, Sheena, I don't know if you heard, uh, Peter said after the game that Nemanja Radolia was supposed to play in this game, but he came down sick and was taken out of the lineup at the last moment. So I don't know if he was going to start or if he was just going to be on the bench because you'll remember he's been injured. He started one whole game this year and like pulled his hamstring like 30 minutes in or so. He had a couple sub appearances before that. But the fact that he's almost back, Kinda's now back. Ooh, are sporting not terrible anymore? I don't know. It's one game. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, I was going to say it's one game and I know everyone's excited. I'm excited. I'm glad that when I went back and watched the game, it was a win. I was watching and not a loss because that would have been rough. But yeah, I mean, it feels good that it was against the first place team, but I need to see some more wins before I can jump on the we're good train. So we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, How about Tim Milia? Can we talk about Tim Milia for a moment? Yeah, I thought Tim played well. And then what my favorite part of the match was these Sounder fans booing him every time he touched the ball. Because of that old rock bottom to bring our wrestling moves back into this uh, move he pulled on Christian Roldan. Did you notice Roldan didn't play in this game? I think he was probably afraid that Melia was going to drop him with another no, rock bottom. No, he was injured. I, think I know, he was, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he had a concussion, I think. I think he enjoyed being taunted by the fans. He didn't seem to be phased by, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but he didn't seem to be bothered by it. Yeah, no, I, I thought he handled it well. I think... There's something too, like you're getting into the other team's head when they're, when they're booing you like that, or they're in, you know, they're having to single you out. I don't know if you recall when I wrote an article about Tim Milia dropping the old rock bottom on Christian Roldan a a couple of years ago, whatever season that was. And, you know, he only got a yellow card. He probably should have got a red. He like is making no play on the ball and he slams him to the ground, whatever. But I just love how hurt the the Sounders fans are by it. I had all these Sounder fans come at me on Twitter and say, that's battery. Milia shouldn't have just been red carded. He should have been put in jail for his assault or assault and battery, whatever nonsense. I was just like, y'all you're being so sensitive like what's happening right now like we've definitely seen more violent play than that in a football match before so meh yeah i love that it got under their skin though by yeah when i think of violence i always think of roger espinoza punching brad davis or whoever that used to be on houston dynamo i feel like this yeah. isn't the first time i've brought that exact scenario up but brad, brad that's, davis that's the one that's who he punched yeah. his later his teammate <laughs> Yeah. Also, I don't recall that story because I didn't read the Blue Testament back in the day when you used to write. That hurts my heart, but uh, just I go know. read the com now and it'll make up for everything. All of you, all of you go read I it. do. <laughs> I even comment on it. I try to comment a few times a week. I really put some energy into it. Yeah. Try to be a good, a good person. A good person. That's what, that's the barrier for being a good person, getting into the comments on the KC Soccer Journal. Very, very (laughs) reasonable place though to go have a conversation where I think we're very friendly even when we don't agree with each other. Yeah. Everyone's been really nice to me, even though I don't feel like I know what I'm talking about. Hey, you know plenty. You know what's funny is I don't know. Uh, I think I pointed this out to you that there was a Reddit thread that was saying like, what's people's favorite uh, SKC podcast? And a lot of people shouted us out. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. But one of the guys said something like, Chad should let the wife talk more. She's not casual. She knows what she's talking about. And I I don't think that you don't know what you're talking about. We just kind of say that as like a, a cover for you at the beginning of the podcast. So like when you don't know who Tony Miola is, it's not a big deal because... It's fine. Like you're not as hardcore and nerdy about it, but there's plenty of stuff I don't know too. I just that's why I always say just a bit deeper. Not not way deeper. <laughs> 
I also think from when this podcast started, I I was very casual and I've kind of learned stuff so I don't sound like a complete idiot. So I think it helps that like, yeah, I do have a little bit more of a view now than when we first started. But a lot of the times I still don't know a lot, which is why I like I defer to you, especially like with Casey Current and especially with Sporting Kansas City, too. Yeah, no, I think that is fair and spot on. And, uh, you know, we all can learn and know more. I'll tell you when I used to listen to other podcasts before I had my own and I would get frustrated sometimes when they'd make mistakes, but I see how easy it is to make a mistake because you're in the moment, you're talking quickly and your mind isn't keeping up with your mouth and things like that. So, hey, it is what it is. Now, Sheena, let's talk about the referee. I'm a known referee hater. What's funny is actually, I don't feel like I hate the refs. I think I try to be fair, but I thought Victor Rivas was like kind of mediocre in this game. Like he mostly got the calls right. Like Logan and Dembe was called for a PK. Seemed like the right call. <laughs> kind of threw an elbow accidentally and, and elbowed uh, Freddie Montero in the face there. Busted him open. Like he really got yeah. him. It wasn't, one, it wasn't one of those fake ones where it's like they're just down selling like they got hit. Like he got him. I think he thought that they were both going to leap so he kind of put his arm out to protect himself, but then Montero didn't leap the same way he did. But what I was very nervous about was, one, I thought they are going to go back and review that and give Ndembe a red card, and I was nervous. And then at the end of the game, I was just sure that Alex Roldan, Christian's brother, was somehow going to score or be involved in the game-tying goal to break our hearts because he should have been sent off from this game. Uh, early, early in the game, he picked up a yellow, but we didn't realize it was a yellow because Fox didn't show a broadcast and the announcers didn't say anything until much later. They even called Remy's yellow the first yellow of the game, but mm -hmm. it turned out Roldan had correctly gotten a yellow card for actually tackling Jake Davis. He kind of puts his arm around him and drug him to the ground. And they did correctly give that call, so that was good. I was mad at him at first. They could even miss that. But then later on in the game, Tommy got pulled down kind of like midfieldish or so and then they didn't call that one and then at the very towards the end of the game like the 91st minute russell is going on a counter and rolled on like grabs him and hooks him and pulls him and miolo is making a big deal out of it and i agree with him all over the world that is a yellow card all day every day and it's mm -hmm. like the referee didn't want to insert himself into the game but he had just inserted himself in the game calling a pk you you gotta call it straight that should have been a red. Roldan should be suspended, and he couldn't have broken Sporting's heart, which thankfully, you know, he didn't do. The officiating, as you know, when I went back and watched it, I felt everything was pretty clear. Granted, I can't like see offsides; like I just don't see it the way like hardcore fans do. But most of the calls felt fair in both directions. And then towards the end of the game, it's like he got derailed and he just I don't it's like he wasn't even watching the same game because Roldan or whatever his name is it should have definitely been sent off and he got to play and then they gave five minutes of stoppage time and it went into like the 97th or 98th minute and I was like oh my gosh like I think I even told you, like, it feels like he's betting on Seattle, like there's money on the line or something, the way he just kept extending the play, even though during stoppage time, there wasn't that much time wasting to add like another two minutes or whatever. So I yeah, I feel like I feel I, like I that's the oh, issue. Sorry, um, I feel like the issue I have with sports in general, where I get frustrated, and I notice this a lot in football, which is part of the reason I'm not so into football as much as that bad officiating really bothers me or inconsistent officiating. And I feel like I see it a lot now in MLS. And so it's just like one of those things where I'm like, you don't want to impact the game. But had Seattle scored, that would have definitely impacted the game, especially because um, the chance he did have was definitely after that 95th minute. Right. And that's what it is for me, too. It's the, it's the big moments, right? You can get most of the calls right. But if you make a big call wrong, you, you screw up a call that ends up costing somebody, then that's when it hurts more. And there was like a foul that he gave late in the game that set up Seattle for a free kick right when time we were already over a minute yeah. into stoppage time. And I was like, Russell had gotten a time wasting yellow for what was taking an extra 10, 15 seconds to throw the ball in. It's not like you should have added a whole minute for that. And they never add that time back on usually anyway. So I was like, yeah. of course they're adding it today. And, and now instead of just giving the yellow, they're, they're tacking on all this extra time. I say never, obviously I'm exaggerating, but they're, 
it's inconsistent. And that is my problem with most officiating is the inconsistencies. You'll call a foul one way, then you don't call it for the other team. And it, I don't think, I hope that they're not gambling on the games, as you said, but I know, uh, I, but I, you do, it does make you wonder like why, why the inconsistency? Do you not like this team? Do you not like that said player that got the call? Do you, is it a reputation thing? Is it because Peter's yelling at the fourth official? We actually asked Peter about that earlier this year. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm pleading for my case, but I'm not berating them or being mean to them or rude to them. Just trying to say like, Hey, they're delaying the restart. That's supposed to be a yellow or, you know, whatever the call is in the, in the individual moment. Any other thoughts from this uh, game, Gina? Yeah, I was going to say two more things about officiating. It would be great if they came up with a rule that like any cards that happen in stoppage time get reviewed kind of like in football where if it's under two minutes that like they review whatever I don't even remember the rule in football anymore but that would be like a way to if somebody was reviewing cards or like PKs for example or free kicks I mean I know that would add so much more time but maybe it would help with some of this inconsistent refereeing yeah, I think the the review thing, yeah, would probably add too much time. And if you think about it, they already automatically review goals, penalties, red cards. I don't know if they can review second yellow. See, this is where I don't know my facts. The other thing I was going to say is I just assume everybody is sports gambling because I just watch bad sports. And the very first episode, which it's a, I'm still watching it, but it's a really good show. But the first episode is about uh, ASU basketball back in, I think, the 90s, where the players were betting and they were doing what's called point shaving. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, Chad. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, so now I just assume everybody when it feels like things aren't getting called, like they're betting that they just have to be betting, even though that's probably not at all the case. Yeah, I try not to go to the conspiracy mind, even though sometimes my brain wants to go that way. <laughs> what I think gets me sometimes is it's the little calls that they get wrong that end up have, making a big deal. Like if they give a corner kick, they shouldn't have given. Like, oh, it went off the Seattle player, but the ref missed it and they give a corner and then they score on that corner. The fact that the corner was given is not up for review, just the goal itself. Or they call a garbage foul that's not a foul, like a player just lets himself go and it sets up a free kick that ends up leading to a goal. Like that stuff's what gets me because that, like the action that led to the thing should be up for review. Kind of like if you're building up towards a goal and you foul somebody in the buildup or there's a handball in the buildup, even though there might be a bunch of passes or whatever after that before the actual goal goes in, they can go back to the whenever the attacking phase of play begins i think is the terminology that they use but they don't do that and that's kind of a bummer because we've all been there before where it's like oh they incorrectly gave this corner kick and now they scored the, the haters will say well then your team should have defended the corner yes of course right but like they should have never had the corner they shouldn't have had to defend it just like if this game would have been tight people would have been like well the team should have like the ref shouldn't be dictating who wins the game and the sporting should have like held on to their lead to avoid that goal. But speaking of goals, can we talk about Polito's goal? We haven't even talked about it oh, yet. Oh, yeah. We just mentioned that he scored and that was it. That was yeah. a really slick goal, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was a really good. And I really enjoyed that after he scored, you know, he was happy and he went over and he hugged his trainer. And it was his first goal since 2021. So I'm sure he was ecstatic and it was just... It was just a fun game to watch, especially because the season has been so dark and so tough, not only for the fans, but especially for the players. So it just, you know, especially after last week where Johnny Russell was like, I don't even know like how to fix this. It was nice to see that there was at least a fix for this week. And I, yeah, I really liked his goal. And just one other thing about Polito, I don't know if you remember like in the I think it was the 41st minute, they called a, a handball on him, a handball against Polito, but it yeah. looked like it should have been a foul against Seattle. Yeah, the other guy's like grabbing play, him and turning like him around. Him yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he wasn't grabbing so, him and turning him. His arm wouldn't be up in the air. He's like flailing from being grabbed yeah. and turned. Yeah, I wrote that one down too. That was annoying. To oh, me. it goes back to the inconsistent roughing, but yeah, I'm happy he had a good game. And even after the game, I saw him go back to his trainer and hug him. So 
Yeah, I think we can leave it with this. Uh, Peter said there's still a lot of improving to do, a lot of fixing to go on. One result isn't anything, like isn't everything, I should say. But it felt promising to me, right? Because if you can beat the best team in your entire conference in their home stadium, I I think that says anything. Now, Seattle were missing some players, but they were missing players last time and they beat Sporting 4-1. to one. So yeah. I, I still think there's something to that as these guys get back and get healthier. Hopefully they'll keep getting results and they'll be at home again this weekend playing Minnesota United in their not rivalry game. And <laughs> also they have that midweek game against the Dynamo in the U.S. Open Cup. So lots of sporting action this week to keep you up on. And then next Saturday is against St. Louis FC. So that should be... That feels like the real rivalry. A week from Saturday, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have this. To me, it's next weekend. (laughs) Next week. Okay. She she and I have this constant argument about next Saturday because it's Monday right now as we're recording. So to me, the next Saturday is the one that's coming up in five days. But she, at some point, next Saturday to her has already become like a week from Saturday. And I don't know. It's confusing. It's a dumb argument. Y'all don't care about it. It is. We we went like 16 years of our relationship without realizing we've been saying it wrong the whole time. Like (laughs) we've been miscommunicating about it forever. So the last two years, we've really been like, go like, I can't believe you say next when you mean a week from, you know, you know, you got to find something to keep it spicy around the house. Right. So, (laughs) oh yeah, that's real sexy. But I have one speaking of sexy one last thing I wanted <laughs> okay. to say is, is it about that, somebody's hair. Uh, kinda. It's in the hair. It's facial hair. Uh, Johnny Russell, his beard is really becoming like mountain manish. It's like really thick and full. And I don't know. I noticed that when I was rewatching the game. Like, man, it's really growing. So maybe <laughs> he needs to keep growing it. Like you know how the players in football like. They win a game. They don't and they change don't their shave. socks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. I need him to not shave. I guess. I mean, I think he's been not shaving for a while. So, but okay. Oh, your point, and I'm your, just noticing I mean, it. It's a pretty manly beard. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's not in my genetics to be growing a beard <laughs> like that ever. But I, I imagine that didn't just come in overnight or anything like that. But may, maybe who knows? Maybe. Can I just say one more thing before we sure. move on? Yeah, you can do whatever uh, you want. This is our podcast. You can do whatever when heck you want. Chad turned 29. We had a white trash party for him, and he was like, I'm going to grow a mustache. How long did you try growing that mustache for? It was like the creepiest mustache, but it, it grew in very patchy. <laughs> I mean, I think the hair was all there. It just didn't get like long. It was like two weeks though. And to the <laughs> point where I would tell my customers at my job, Hey, I'm doing this for a party. This isn't what I usually look like because I had to meet with people as a part of my job. And it was like, it looked terrible. It looked terrible. The white trash bash though in 2029. Uh, that was a bit ago, a long time ago when I turned 29. Yeah. It was, All right. yeah. Okay, on that I'm note, ready to on, move on. On that <laughs> note, yeah, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more For the Glory, KC. All right, and we are back. Now we're going to talk about some less happy news, but maybe it was the motivation that everybody needed, is last week, the Kansas City Cauldron, one of the supporters groups for Sporting Kansas City, they penned a letter to Sporting Kansas City ownership the front office, the coaching staff, and the players. And you can go online and read it. It's it's all over the place. It's on Twitter. It's on the Cauldron Facebook page. I'm sure you can find it on Reddit, you know, all, all over the place there. And it had a lot of thoughts in it, kind of calling out the ownership for the way things have been for the last few years, not just on the field, because obviously the 10 games and no wins at the time this was written, but off the field stuff in terms of, the match day experience, the fan engagement, all kinds of different call outs on there. And I wanted to kind of just get your your thoughts on it, Sheena. Well, one thing is, I think it was all the Cauldron supporters groups. Oh, yeah, because the Cauldron, yeah, if you all aren't familiar. So the Cauldron, they sit on one end of the stadium in the, in the members area, quote unquote, right? But then inside of the Cauldron is made up of all these other supporters groups. So it's not just the Cauldron. It is the cauldron includes all those, you know, the, I can't think of what they're called, Fountain City Ultras and the, this and that was the ladies of SKC. Aren't you in their Facebook group, Sheena? You know, got a little connection there. Uh, except I don't post anything, but anyways, uh, yeah. So the letter, it, 
you know, I agreed with a lot of it. I It's hard because I don't know what the fan experience used to be outside of when we would come to Arizona or come to Kansas City and go to a game. And we only did that a couple times. So I don't know what the fan experience used to be, but it, it sounds like it used to be something more than what it is now. I do remember when we lived in Arizona, I would always see events and I'd be like, oh, I wish I lived there so I could go to them. I don't feel like I see those events as much anymore. And maybe that's part of it. I do feel like there is a lack of something with the ownership. Like there just seems to be a disconnect. And maybe that's just how it is in sports. But I I don't know. I, in college, followed the Indianapolis Colts football team a lot. And you were always hearing from the owner. Isn't Jim Ursay the owner? The, the mad tweeter, they call him. He's always tweeting. Yeah. I think you, sometimes you want to hear less from that owner. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, today he threatened people who were reaching out to try to get Andrew Luck out of retirement. Yeah, I saw that. The Washington yeah. Commanders. Yeah. They, he said they were tampering, which I guess technically by the letter of the law, he is uh, a it Colts is. player, but whatever. Yeah. But I mean, so I guess at that, I followed the Colts all through Peyton Manning's um, years and Andrew Luck. And then that after Andrew Luck retired, that's when I slowly started like dwindling my love for football and started picking up my Until love Until Patrick soccer. Mahomes came into your life, yeah. right? And then Patrick Mahomes came and I moved here and I follow it a little bit again. But yeah, I mean, so that's the kind of like the culture I, I, I know is Jim say. But yeah, he's on the maybe too involved, but they're just there's some sort of disconnect. And so I hope, you know, the cauldron gave them a month to respond. I hope they do respond. I feel like if they don't respond and things are going well, then I guess that would probably be the end of it. But like, I really would like some follow up to see like to get the perspective of what somebody in the organization outside of Peter Vermees is thinking about this season or it could explain why the atmosphere has changed. I know like one of the things people were upset about was just something small like switching from Boulevard beer to Budweiser or whatever it is and right. now. Yeah, the Budweiser so, brew house. Yeah, just those local connections. Like, you know, Kansas City, the people who live here love the city and every Every little local connection really, I think, makes a difference. So just those little, the small things really add up. So what what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I was trying to find the month thing. I don't see the month. I, I just see this line, your silence is deafening and we expect change. They, they were calling to get a response from them. And I don't know that they've responded. But that said, they could be meeting with the cauldron in private. I know that, you know, they coordinate with the cauldron for different events and the cauldron coordinates with them. But I think we're, we're tough people to ask for the stadium experience for the exact reasons you gave, right? Because my stadium experience is spoiled because I sit in a press box all the time. I'm not having the same effect. That said, I've sat in the cauldron with you numerous times over the last few years, and we've traveled and visited and sat in different parts of the stadium. But the concession thing, how many times have we bought stale nachos for our kids? Like the chips are so dry and brittle and like, like how long have these Hard been in the pretzels. stadium? Yeah. Oh, the awful pretzels. Like, come on, just go to QT. QT does a great pretzel, uh, Casey. Let's get this <laughs> together here. <laughs> so yes, I think there's some real concerns there. And yeah, we don't know really what it was like beforehand to know what's being missed. So I don't want to speak out of turn there, but they were looking for some sort of change. They're looking for some sort of reaction. And it doesn't sound like it's just like they, I thought they worded it in a way to not be like, Hey, you need to fire Peter. or This is over. Obviously there's a good chunk of their membership that would like to see that happen. And I did see on Reddit. I didn't read it. I just saw the headline and I didn't click on it. But it said Peter still Peter Vermees out or still Vermees out or something like that. And, you know, I get it. One win doesn't turn things around. But as the old saying in sports goes, winning fixes everything. So if they can keep winning and turn things around, then there's always going to be people that are unhappy about it. But I think the Cauldron did what they needed to do to push the team to do something. And I hope that we hear more about this and what's going to change, whether it's the the food options, the beer options. I had read a uh, like a. I might have just been a comment on Casey Soccer Journal actually saying that Sporting wanted to continue the relationship with Boulevard Beer, but either Boulevard couldn't afford to keep making that investment, or I think they have some sort of partnership with the Royals now, and they maybe were spread too thin as a smaller company compared to mm. you know a Budweiser that's obviously this this huge national chain. And uh, isn't Budweiser? I mean, it's like owned by a Belgian company or something now, but it's 
based out of Missouri, right? It's based out of St. Louis. Although yeah. that's heathenism now. We we have to hate St. Louis automatically because St. Louis City are over there. Yeah, but I don't hate St. Louis. St. Louis is fine, but I do want is, to be Is there not, I mean, not that you're going to know this because you're not a drinker, but like, is Boulevard really the only beer company we have here? I can think off the top of my head, isn't there Casey Beer Co. or something like that? Isn't that the name of a beer company? Or maybe, maybe. that's a Boulevard beer that I don't know about. I'm sure there's multiple micro of... brews and things like that, but I don't yeah. know if they're big enough to handle the scale of a, Probably a not. professional sports team. I'm not sure. I, know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I can think of like wine companies. I can think of cider companies, but Boulevard is really all I think of when I think of beer. So if you're listening and you know of another beer that's not Boulevard, but it's local, let us know. Maybe I'll try it. There you go. She, yeah. Sheena's much more likely to drink a beer in this household than I am. This is, <laughs> I'm just going to lose even more points with the audience and be like, this nerd over here. Uh, Sheena made, margari- all- made margaritas on Friday and I was just like, yeah, this is fine. I, uh, in college and mm-hmm. even occasionally as an adult, I would just take shots. Like that's my go-to move. Let's just get to where we're going with, uh, less, less liquid in my stomach. <laughs> Let's just get straight to the hard stuff. I'll spare you, um, from being made fun of, of what drink you like, like what alcohol that, that, beverage. That, you've said too I'm much already. I'm not going <laughs> to tell them, but. There is a girly drink that Chad enjoys hey, on the regular. Hey, if it tastes good and it's sweet, like, but it can still accomplish the mission, <laughs> you know, then what do we, who, who's, why you guys got to judge me here? <laughs> Beer, people are always like, oh, it's an acquired taste. I'm like, why would I want to acquire a taste for something that I don't think tastes good? And it's like bad for me, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. So uh, it's like okay. coffee. Guys, if you don't let, hate my takes already. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I've drank it like one time in my life and it was disgusting. And the only way I can consume it is with sugar and I can't be drinking all that sugar. I mean, I'm, I'll get all fat. <laughs> all right. Any Anyways. other thoughts about this letter from the cauldron? No, I'm glad they did it. I, it need, Something needed to be said. Maybe it did spark some change knowing, you know, in a letter format that people are upset, especially, you know, the cauldron who is their hardcore supporters so hopefully you know it again like it's just been one game with one win so i don't think this is a situation where like sporting kansas city can't like shouldn't respond i definitely think they still need to respond and i am not on the let's not fire peter train like let's keep seeing where this season goes which i think is what i was saying all along is that like it's a long season yeah, I always kind of felt like he was going to have a long leash because of everything he's done for this team and this organization and this city and for that matter. And the contract. Yeah, and then there's that five-year extension they theoretically have to buy out. What's interesting, I was going to save this for the digital crawl, but it feels like it fits right here. Is she, I don't know if you saw, two MLS coaches got sacked today on Monday. I did, yeah. yeah. Gerhard Washington. Struber of the uh, Red Bulls, uh, New York Red, Red Bulls. Bulls. yeah. And then Ezra Hen- uh, Hendrickson from the Chicago Fire both got fired today. And, you know, they're having bad results. Well, Struber, they called it a mutual parting of ways because he said he was going to leave after the season anyways. Who knows? We'll see how that plays out. But it would have been yeah, hard. The- it would have been hard for sporting if they had lost to Seattle to say, oh, yeah, Vermees with 11 games and no wins He's safe, but these teams that have better records than him are firing their coaches. So I thought that was kind of interesting and and kind of tied in here to this whole letter discussion. I mean, don't they still have a better record? Everybody has a better record. Yes, correct. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I think that that covers that. Let's talk about the Kansas City Current because, as I said off the top of the show, we cannot have all nice things around here. KC. I had expected them to head to Los Angeles and defeat Angel City. Angel City had won no games in their home stadium this year, and instead they were down three nothing at the halftime. They were in. And Angel City was missing a bunch of players too. It was like extra demoralizing. They just got Julie Ertz and then she didn't play in this game. And, you know, they're still missing Kristen Press, who got hurt severely last year and has been out for a long time. So it was a little disappointing to see them go down three nothing. I will say the positive was that they fought all the way to the end and fought back. When they got back to two to three, when they were only down by a goal, it's like, oh my gosh, are they actually going to pull this off after they 
they kind of stuck some goals in there and found a way. Izzy Rodriguez, who came on at the half, is who's essentially like a left back. She was playing left back at the time. She scored the first goal, and then CeCe Kaiser got the second goal. And we know CeCe's a goal scorer. She's always putting herself in good positions to score. But the comeback did ultimately fall short, and Angel City got their first home win of the year. And KC, mm, the streak is over. Three two nothing games in a row, not to continue. It was unfortunate. It you know, when they went into halftime and they were down by three goals, I was feeling pretty hopeless. And then I got excited thinking, like if there's a team that might be able to pull this off right now, I I thought there would be a way Dabinia could get a goal. Like I was so hopeful that we would at least I didn't think at that point we were gonna win, but I was just hoping for a draw. But one thing that was kind of fun to see, even though it, it hurt us, was seeing the first round draft pick or the very first pick. Alyssa Thompson. I, yep. Yeah. She plays on the team. Angel City. And yeah, and she scored. I think she was their first goal. Yeah, she scored from what looked to be a pretty tough angle too. It was yeah. pretty pretty good shot from her. Yeah, just eighteen years old. She's drafted straight out of high school. One pick ahead of Michelle Cooper, and man, that was I think it was like her fourth goal of the year, th- third or fourth. So she's she's leading the team in yeah. scoring right now. She's playing quite well. Has Michelle Cooper? I don't think she's had a goal yet this season. Has she, she has not. No, I I don't okay. know if she officially got an assist on that one play. I didn't look at the stat line to see when she crossed it in last week against. Remember the goalkeeper Abby Smith was way out of her box for Gotham, and she sent that cross in because it yeah. bounced off CC before Dabinia scored. I don't know if anybody got an official assist on that. Oh, oh, I hope she did. I am rooting for her. I really like her. I think her hair always looks cute in its little braids. But if you I had just... over one and a half hair comments on this, you have won. <laughs> Cast your ticket. <laughs> oh, is this a game we're now playing? How many no, times just... I mention hair? I'm just being silly. I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess it could be a drinking game. Every time I talk about hair, you take a shot. Yeah, take a shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll get. I can get behind mm. that. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you're but... not listening into the middle of your workday or something, and you're good. Yeah, uh, Chad and Sheena got me drunk at work because they said take a shot every time Sheena mentions hair. <laughs> uh, I didn't say take a shot of what exactly. You could take a shot of soda or oh boy. water. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. It was a bummer to see them, especially because they had so many key missing players. A person you forgot was Cindy LaRue. Um, She was there. She, I guess, got injured a few weeks ago. She was there and it was her birthday. And I don't know what they call like their equivalent to the cauldron, but they had happy birthday signs for her. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see it. I saw it on her Instagram. Of course Um, you did, because that's what you do. You you stalk these players on social media. (laughs) She is well, a she is a character. She's funny. They got her and Dom got is. some good looking kids. So oh my gosh, their kids are hilarious. If you need like good kid content, their kids are are good. And who doesn't? But I'm going to pull it back to soccer here for a second. Okay. So <laughs> the the team came out in a very similar play and style than they've been playing the last few weeks while they've been winning. So they're playing that. I'm just going to call it a three four three. Where they play with three center backs, four midfielders that are, include your kind of your two wide backs, your wing backs, if you will. And then three forwards. Dabinia sometimes is a forward, sometimes kind of falls into the midfield, but that's getting a little tactical and nerdy for y'all. The only change from the last game, which they won to this game, was Michelle Cooper started over Mimi Larson. And gosh, it didn't work. And not because of the offense necessarily, although they weren't playing very well. They were struggling to connect passes, and that's something they've been doing much better as of late. But the defense and the midfield, it was just everything was getting behind them and kind of soft little plays. But at halftime, the adjustment they made was they went to a back four, which we haven't really seen much out of them. They moved Haley Mace to right back from her left wing back spot, subbed off Kate Del Fava. And then Izzy Rodriguez came in at left back and they subbed off their other center back, Addison Merrick. And I won't lie, that defense still looked pretty shaky because, of course, when you're playing with four instead of five in the back, which is essentially what their formation is when they're fully defending, and you're still sending both your full backs up the field, there's going to be spaces. But they were taking such advantage going forward that I was like, this might actually work. Like, if they don't give up the fourth goal, they might end up having a chance. And then, you know, just basically, I think Angel City just kind of locked it down. They played, they took off attacking players and put on more defensive players and just put a stop to all the counterattacking that the Casey current were doing to get their goals. And it all kind of petered out. It's a bit of a shame because if you look at the losses that the current have this year, outside of losing to Portland, who are a very good team, 
they've lost to all the teams that are at the bottom of the standings. And then they, they've beaten teams. Well, they beat Orlando who are at the bottom, but then they also beat Gotham who were pretty good when that game happened. Angel city was below them in the standings. Chicago, that, that was their only win up to that point. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who the other win was, but that was that team's only win up to that point. I don't know. It, they're, they're inconsistent, but to go back to the thing we said about sporting for a while is missing a ton of players. Their injury report is so long. We haven't seen Desiree Scott, Alex Loera's out. Kristen Hamilton's yet to play this wheel. Han- Hannah Glass, who signed, hasn't played yet. There's a lot of missing people. So I still think there's time to get it going. It's just a little disappointing that this this was the result when I expected more. I agree with that. I didn't think that, oh my gosh, Haley Mace, I don't think she had a really good game. Yeah, no, I think she I struggled kinda... to connect some passes. Like they, yeah. they just didn't look as sharp as they had looked the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I guess you can't keep that going all the time. But they, to me, it was, there was too many giveaways in kind of compromising areas, which they'd done a little bit in prior weeks but they'd gotten away with it and they were getting away with it less. And it just, they couldn't string together any possession and you've got to keep the ball at some point in the game. It's exhausting to run and defend the whole time. Yeah. I also feel like they did a pretty good job of um, Angel City did a pretty good job of containing Dabinia. Like, I don't feel like she was as much of a force in this game as she was in the previous few games. And one player that I really am starting to like is Mimi Larson. Like, she is really good with the ball. She, like, she tries to score a lot. They don't always go. I mean, I don't know that she's even had a goal yet this season. I think she scored, yeah. How's she? Okay. But I I really like watching her play. I think she's kind of fun to watch. So I think, is she recovering from an injury? She had like a hamstring injury, which is why she subbed off halfway through that Gotham game and may have been part of the factor of why she didn't start in this game. I'm not sure that that was addressed. I didn't see that being addressed. But yeah, Larson does have uh, one goal and uh, two assists on the year, it looks oh, like. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. One goal and one assist. That's my bad. Okay, no worries. The other thing I was going to say is, is there any time frame on when some of the players are coming back? Like the one I'm specifically thinking of is Desiree Scott, because I maybe from before the season, we were talking about how she really wanted to get into the Women's World Cup this summer, and that's quickly approaching. And now I'm just wondering, is she even going to be ready for the World Cup? Like, I, I know don't know she what had, kind of injury she has. Yeah, I know she had surgery in the off season. And, and I, they always were kind of saying, hey, she'll be a little slower to get back than some of these other folks. So I, I have not heard an update. I think she's probably a little further away. What I'm hoping to see is Morgan Gattreau, who they signed as a free agent. We've yet to see her. Kristen Hamilton was a really, really good player for this team last year. She's yet to play a game. And I remember when she popped up on the injury report right before the opener, I was like, oh, that's unexpected. So Gattreau, I knew because she hadn't played in any of the preseason games, but that, I don't know. It's There's still a lot of talent to get back out there. They're going to have have options to really change the game to be able to sub some of these people on or change formations versus, you know, like Kansas City, sporting Kansas City right now to bring it back to them for a second. Like there's not always been a lot of great options on the bench or other people they could be bringing in. So they needed these people. I think the KC current are going to be positioned well in the summer. Obviously, I'd like to see them right the ship and play play better this coming weekend. It's a big home game hosting the San Diego Wave and Alex Morgan. But uh, I think... Yeah, Mother's Day. So you all can get out there and check them out. But I think that the World Cup is going to be an opportunity because a lot of teams are going to lose players during the World Cup and Kansas City will as well. AD French might get called up. Haley Mace. I don't know that Mace is going to make it based on her current form, but you never know. And then Dabinia, of course, is going to get called up by Brazil. But there's so much depth and talent on this team that I think they're going to be in a position to take advantage of some of these other teams that are missing players during the World Cup. Although mostly it's Challenge Cup games when the World Cup's going on, but there still tends to be a little bit of a lag before and after the World Cup where you're missing some players. And I think the current should be in a really good position to take advantage of that. So disappointing result, but I wouldn't, I'm not panicked. I'm not panicked either. And 
I am wondering because in one of the press, or I don't know if it was a press conference or just an interview or whatever, but the head coach, the new head coach, Caroline Herbloom, Herbloom, whatever. Yeah. uh, I think you got to roll your R's and I can't do it. So, yeah, you you do it. You're over the top with it. But, anyways, she was saying that a lot of these positions are game by game depending on how they play. So now I'm wondering if. If Eddie French will get the start against the the San Diego Wave this weekend, it'll be interesting. Yeah, she did yeah. specifically mention her and Miller kind of in a week by week competition to see who takes the job. And I don't think Cassie played bad. I think her defense kind of hung her out to dry a little bit. But we'll see. Yeah, we could see. Uh, it seems like the the opportunity to make the change back if you wanted to. When she hit three shutouts in a row, it would have been really hard to justify putting her on the bench. Yeah. The other thing is that I wonder if Adi French will get the call up to the women's national team, considering she can't even get a start on her current team, like with the current. If she doesn't win the current team. (laughs) Yeah. 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 If she doesn't win her starting job back, then yeah, I would think she's not going to get that third goalkeeper spot. But you never know. You might just bring her in. Sometimes the third goalkeeper is just there for experience. If you remember for the Men's World Cup this uh, past fall, weird to say that instead of in the summer, uh, Sean Johnson was the third goalkeeper and he was the New York City FC keeper at the time. Now he's a keeper for Toronto FC, but he wasn't there because they thought he was going to play. He was there to be a veteran leadership guy, be a a locker room glue guy. If you've ever heard that expression, you know, it's kind of holding the pieces together. And maybe that's what AD is as the third keeper, because your third keeper is really unlikely to get into games. Gotcha. Well, I have one exciting thing to share is that I officially get to go to New Zealand because my passport arrived. So that's pretty exciting just on a personal note. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been joking because my passport arrived first and then our daughters. I was like, all right, I'm going to New Zealand. I don't know about anybody else. And then our daughter showed up and I was like, all right, kid, you and I, your mom's going to be stuck here. She's made all the plans. I don't know where we're staying or how to get to the hotels. But <laughs> so luckily, we're all there. We're going to do the World Cup over the summer. And yeah, that should be uh, probably a once in a lifetime experience. I'm I'm super looking forward to it. All right, let's stop bragging about our lives and we and our, how lucky we are. Sorry. Let's talk about the digital crawl, y'all. So we got a whole bunch of news and I'm going to try to move through quickly. Yushina, you just jump in here, though, if you have anything to say about all these topics. One of my favorite okay. Twitter follows is one of my favorite Twitter follows is this website, soccer photogrammetry at offside modeling. They do this thing. Favorite. This is such a weird thing to be favorite of. They take all these like analytical looks at the angles to see if players are like offside and they, they model that all out. Well, Bryce Duke was about three inches offside when he scored against Montreal. So let's riot. That's why sporting lost. Clearly they fell apart after that goal that should have been called back. Way to go refs. Way to blow it again. <laughs> in, in some, I'm just kidding. Uh, sporting were terrible and they still have a lot to prove. In other sort of Sporting KC related news, Eric Hurtado. You remember Eric Hurtado, Sheena? I know I one do. of your favorites. He's he like was a, very stout and he was yes. a striker. Yeah, very muscly he had a good dude. Smile. Very jacked. Yeah, that guy. But uh, he was recently transferred back into MLS to DC United. He was playing for San Antonio FC in the USL Championship. They paid a whopping $10,000 transfer fee to get him. It's not very much money, but I think that's a win for these lower division teams to say, hey, if you want to go get a player and you think he's going to contribute to your first team, 10000 is nothing. And I mean, for you and I, 10000 is a ton to throw away. But for these soccer teams, it's basically nothing, and it's not going to affect their position on the salary cap. be interesting to see how much of a contributor he ends up being for DC United, uh, backing up old Christian Benteke, who scored a worldie of a goal about a week ago, doing a little bicycle kick action. In other news, in women's soccer news, uh, the Chicago Red Stars, it's kind of sad news here. They fired general manager Michelle Lomniki, Lomniki? Oh, sorry, Michelle, uh, for withholding important information like club leadership information or leadership information to the club. I don't know. She no. wrote this one down. Yeah, she withheld important information and didn't tell club leadership. But as of, I think, Friday, when I read the the news, they didn't say specifically what she had been withholding, but it must have been. Well, I like, think I I think I found what it is. So I, oh, I think okay. it is because the Red Stars had an affiliate team. And I apologize, I didn't write the name down of the affiliate team. And they had hired Craig Harrington, who, if that name sounds familiar, he used to be the coach of the Utah Royals, 
before they went defunct and turned into the Kansas City Current. And he had been suspended by the National Women's Soccer League for two years for his conduct back when he was the coach. I think he was like like kind of using abusive language. At least it wasn't a, a sexual assault thing like so many of these other coaching and administrators and things. So I think it's related to that, but I don't know. Crises in the NWSL never seems to end in terms of like coaches getting fired and general managers for misconduct. So hopefully they're weeding this stuff out and this stops being a thing. There's only 12 teams. How is there so much controversy? It's crazy. There's so much controversy and you don't see it in like MLS or any of the other. I mean, there's other women's leagues and to my knowledge, this is the only one that seems to be having issues with it. It wouldn't surprise me if this stuff is going on. Sadly, I do think that sometimes society mistreats, well, I mean, society mistreats everybody at times, but women in particular can get kind of stamped down a little bit. And I, you know, it's just cultural differences and things, but it's obviously not okay and not acceptable behavior. Shini, you wrote down this next one. Do you want to do the next item from the crawl? Sure. Okay. So I'm probably going to screw her name That's up. That's why I'm making you say it. <laughs> Katie Schofer has been promoted to head coach of the women's U-17 team. She was previously the head coach for the U-15 women's youth national team. So sounds like it's a promotion. I mean, it is. But yeah, that's exciting for her. Congrats, Katie. I'll do the, the next one, one here since okay. I wrote this one down. Lizzie Becherano. I'll probably get that wrong. She's a reporter. She said, quote, sources confirm a new MLS expansion franchise to be announced in the coming weeks with a tentative date in mid-May. Now, she didn't say a team, but since then, I did some sleuthing on the internet, and it goes back to a podcast we did uh, many months ago that it looks like it's probably going to be San Diego, Sheena's hometown. Oh, I was going to have us guess what city it oh. was going to be. So. Well, I screwed that up. So did, we, can, but... we can talk more about it when that uh, more news comes out on it, because I think that'll be pretty exciting to, to see that another team there. That will be exciting. They'll yeah. be my, my second team, kind of like I say the wave is, but they're not really. But Yeah. Hey, you made me drive by yeah. the wave stadium while I was driving, and I couldn't look at it. So that was, <laughs> that was fun. Um, <laughs> all right. A couple more little bits of news. Y'all will remember the Tulsa athletes Athletic, who's sporting beat in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup, the round they entered in. Uh, they, The NPSL, the soccer league that they are in, is now forcing them to move venues. Their stadium, quote, does not meet the minimum standards, unquote. It's kind of a bummer. I think we kind of joked about the field looked like a rec field and it wasn't the fanciest setup. But they've hosted professional games on there. They hosted FC Tulsa and won in the second round of the Open Cup. I I don't know. That feels like a bummer to me. It's like it's like the MPSL heard that they got twenty five thousand dollars for being the last U.S. Open Cup amateur team, and they're like, you know what? Let's burn through that money and force you to find a new stadium solution. It's weird because in my head they've been playing there for a while. So why was it not an issue through all these other games, and suddenly it's an issue? It does feel like it has something to do. With them just getting this $25,000 check. They came into some money and everybody's coming out of the woodwork trying to get their piece. It's like when you win the lottery, right? And it's like you have cousins you didn't know about or something showing up. That reminds me, I didn't say this earlier, but I don't know if you remember, Chad, when we were at our daughter's soccer game, I was like, I could see sporting winning this like before I knew anything about the game. And every week I've made some sort of prediction that's been correct. And I don't think I should play the lotto because I think people would come out of the woodworks. There's like, I would love to have that problem. Can you please go win the lottery for us so we can do fight people off with a stick? (laughs) And then we could just, we could do soccer stuff full time and not have to have boring day jobs, right? That'd be fun. (laughs) All right. And one final bit of news. This is a very uplifting, heavy, I, li- I like this one. This one like made my heart feel good. Uh, Lauren Holiday, who you may remember as Lauren Cheney, she used to play for FC Kansas City. She was one of several players that was inducted into the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame this past oh, weekend. Yeah, yeah, so you may know her from Women's National Team. She helped uh, lead the FC Kansas City to two championships. So I'm still claiming those two titles for Kansas City, even if the current aren't technically the same franchise. I mean, they kind of are. Because that team turned into the Utah Royals and the Utah Royals turned into Casey Current. I don't know. It's it's all complicated. But Lauren Holiday, congratulations. Yeah. I, I when I read that she was going in and she was retired and all this, she's only 35. And I was like, wait, she could have still been playing, but she did have some health issues a few years ago that kind of precipitated her leaving and she wanted to be a, a mom and focus on that. So congrats to Lauren. Super happy for you and your whole family. 
Yeah, I saw Hope Solo was also inducted. That was like yeah. the name I recognized. Yeah, Landon Donovan as well. So I think there was more names too. I, know, but those, I missed the, that. Those are some big ones that were on the list. All right, y'all. Well, if you have made it this far and you are not already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're going to just do one a week going forward. Oh, Sheena gasped. There must be a review that she wants to read. There is. Go ahead and keep talking. I don't have it pulled up. <laughs> So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're going to do one episode a week now. But if something exciting happens, some breaking news, we might do like an emergency podcast back when we did with like the Ronaldo news or if somebody was to get fired, that feels like emergency worthy. So tell all your Kansas City soccer friends and just search for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcast. You can rate and review us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And speaking of, Sheena, review. Yes, I have a review on Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts by Dave L. This is from like a while ago. Sorry, um, Dave L. I don't yeah, have an sorry. iPhone, so I don't I don't know how to look these up. Well, anyways, he said that this is the best SKC podcast. He said, I've started listening to For the Glory this season, and it's quickly become a favorite SKC podcast. Chad has long been a must-follow on Twitter, and now he's a must-listen. Lots of in-depth info from Chad and Sheena's casual perspective is refreshing. She's also hilarious. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you, Dave. I don't know what I'm doing that's so hilarious, but I appreciate that you see my humor and you enjoy it. Yeah, I love that, Dave. That's awesome. If anybody else wants to write a review, we'd love to put it on the air. Or you can just throw it in the the review that you don't want us to read it if you don't want <laughs> us to. If you want to reach out to us another way, you can follow us on all the social media sites at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can email us for the glory KC at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Play for 90. When you follow our Twitter account, though, at For the Glory KC, that's Sheena. She's doing all that tweeting. That's a good way to follow her and get her takes. And you can yes. do your how many shots do you need to take during the game because of hair uh, comments. <laughs> yeah, I do like to live tweet when I'm available. And on Instagram, I like to do polls. And I just appreciate all the people who comment regularly on Instagram. I feel like we're friends and I love it. So thank you because I don't have any friends. So. Oh, you're you're so Thanks. dramatic. <laughs> Sheena, you're such a liar. Anyways, here's Christian Leo with Ride It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.